This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. This morning, I'm going to share with you something that you probably are familiar with, but I believe you're going to hear something different, something new, something that is just going to perhaps just adjust and readjust your, your doctrine and what you believe about it. But more than anything, I know that even though we may be familiar with it, I know for a fact that something is going to be said today that is going to be a blessing to you, that is going to just take your revelation of that truth to a different place. I'm convinced of it. Now, I also need to give you a little disclaimer. I am going to say some things that are going to seem contradictory or at least that are going to seem like I am going against the grain and I assure you that's not my goal it's not my intention but I want to share with you <laughs> share with you gospel truth and so just hear me out hear the whole thing out don't hear one statement you know and think well that's it you know he's mustered there and he said the wrong thing there that's not the way I've been taught that's not the way I understand the Bible and then just switch me off. You don't want to do that. Listen to the whole thing and I will prove to you and I will show you why I say what I say. All right. So thank you for that courtesy and let's get right into the message today. So here's the title of our message this morning. The key to a satisfying relationship with God. I know that every single believer wants to enjoy a good relationship with God. I know that we all yearn, we all believe perhaps that we have and enjoy a great relationship with God. And so what I want to ask you today is two questions. The first question that I want to ask you is, are you satisfied with your relationship with God? And you know, only you can answer for yourself and be honest with yourself. Of course, God knows. But you answer the question right now. Are you satisfied with your relationship with God? And then the second question that I have for you, which is linked to that question, is what do you base your answer on? So, for example, <clears throat> if I were to say, if someone were to ask me, are you satisfied with your relationship with God? And if I were to say yes, then what do I base that on? Now, you know, I know some folks may say, well, in the fact that it's consistent, I spend regular time with God. I make sure that I spend time in His Word and do this and do that. And uh, I feel confident that I have a good relationship with God. That may be someone's answer. Or someone may say, no, I'm honestly, if I was to be truthful, I am not satisfied with my relationship with God. And then you may say, well, okay, what do you base that on? And they may say, well, I just feel like I'm not putting in enough. I just feel like I don't make enough time for God. I just feel like um, I could do better or I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some people just don't feel that way. And so what is your answer? Is your answer yes? Is it no? Is it in the middle? And if so, what do you base that on? And we're going to challenge that today, regardless of which way 
you came out. But whether it was yes or no or in the middle, we're going to challenge that today and we're going to look at that today because there is a key to a satisfying relationship with God. Or let me put it this way, there is a key to enjoying or experiencing a satisfying relationship with God. God certainly wants us to enjoy a great relationship with Him. And He wants the basis of that relationship to be scripturally correct, to be what He always intended for it to be. Amen. And so let's talk about that. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that you often hear me say when we extend an invitation for anyone to receive salvation in Jesus at the end of our services, uh, if you pay attention closely, and when I do extend that invitation every service, and we'll do that today, as you know, one of the things that you often hear me say is, you know, if you need to receive salvation in Jesus today, I want to pray with you and lead you in a prayer, and you can receive and do that today. And then I say, well, something to, the <laughs> something to this effect. You know, how can you know if you need to receive salvation in Jesus? And one of the things that I do say is, is that, you know, you may know about God, but do you know God? And that's one of the ways you can know if you, need, if you need to receive salvation in Jesus. Some people know a lot about God, but they don't know God. And that's the difference between a relationship and no relationship. You know, I know a lot, of, uh, a lot about famous people. I know a lot about theologians, you know, preachers that have come and gone. I know a lot about them, but I don't know them because I never met them personally. I don't have, I honestly cannot say that I have a relationship with them. I just know them from what I've read and what they've written and what I've heard perhaps. And so, you know, that's one way you can know if you have a relationship with God, if you receive salvation in Jesus. Now, here's the thing. What I imply when I say that, when I extend that invitation, is, is that knowing about God, and listen to this carefully, or knowing about Scripture, knowing about God or knowing about Scripture does not equate to having a personal relationship with God. That's in essence what I am conveying to those I'm extending the invitation to. But now here's the thing. It's also a mistake that many believers make beyond having received salvation in Jesus. And the mistake is, is that if they believe that if they spend time in God's Word, they spend time studying the Scriptures, they spend time in the Scriptures, that somehow that builds a relationship with God and they get to know God. Now, there's some truth to that, but it's not completely true. It is not all complete in its truth, if I can put it that way. Because we can know Scripture, but knowing Scripture doesn't equate to actually knowing God. I'll give you an example. When Helene and I were dating in our early, early, I think she was uh, in her late teens and I was in my early 20s, and when we were dating, and we knew that we wanted to be serious with each other, we knew that we wanted to get married. But what happened was is, is that I had just started my career. I had just finished my studies and, you know, graduated and all that. And I managed to get a job 
almost four hours away, I think it was. I don't remember. Was it two or four hours away? It's something like that. But anyway, <clears throat> so from the town, the city where I lived and where Helena was, where we met. And so what I would do is, you know, Friday evening, I would travel all the way and stay with my parents, with my mom, to go and see them be with Helena for the weekend. And then Sunday nights would come along and, you know, we would be sad. We would have our cries and our emotional, romantical moments. But eventually, at some point, I had to leave because I had to take this drive back so that I can be at work the next morning. And during that time, specifically, we wrote to each other a lot. Now, remember, this is the time, and I'm going to give my age away, but this is the time when there was no text messaging. There was no cell phones. There was, all there was, was snail mail, writing letters to each other, or we could send each other telegrams if we wanted to get something real quick to one another. And so what we would do is we would write each other letters during the week, or she would write me a letter and put it in my bag, and you know, I would read it during the week uh, on, on Sundays when she would do that. And so that's what we did. We wrote each other a lot of letters. You know, I wrote letters to her, she wrote letters to me. And if I think about it, that went on for almost two years. And by the grace of God, our relationship stayed strong, lasted because it was God's doing. But I remember during that time, in many ways, I felt like we drifted apart. And I'm sure she felt the same way. We were not as close as we were when we first met and spent literally seeing each other almost every day. And so if I take that as an example, you know, if I were to say to you during those two years that I really got to know Helena, I cannot say that. Because even though she wrote to me and I had a letter almost every day from her, I could not say that, I re that I'm really getting to know her. Because there's a difference between getting to know the person personally and just reading about the person and what the person wrote. And so in the same way, <clears throat> when we take that analogy into our relationship with God, this is why when we extend the invitation for salvation, we say, you know, you can know a lot about God, but you need to know Him. You need to know Him personally. But then what happens is, is that once someone receives salvation in Jesus, traditional teaching in Christendom tells them just get into the Word. Get, and it's good to get into the Word. I'm not discrediting that at all. It's good to get into the Word. But here's the thing. We cannot replace becoming familiar with Scripture and spending all our time in Scripture thinking that it equates to knowing God. It's totally two different things. Are you, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not trying to discredit the word or spending time in the Word. What I am trying to say to us is, is that that's not the key that results in, in enjoying a satisfying relationship with God. There is more to that. And so that's what we're going to discuss today. And so <clears throat> I'm going to, in actual fact, venture out <laughs> and say today that, in my opinion, for many believers, I'm not saying all believers, but many believers, maintaining a relationship with God can be one of the most tormenting areas in their lives. And I mean, I think about me specifically, and even to this day, 
If I let my mind just have its way, if I let my flesh have its way, if I let the enemy have his way, I can get into real serious guilt trips and sense the condemnation and the shame because I didn't spend enough time reading my devotional, reading my Bible re reading for the day, praying in the Spirit, making declarations, and talking to God. And so, just from my experience and from ministering and counseling to many believers, I have found that one of the most tormenting things for a believer can be maintaining a relationship with God. And this is what I asked you in the beginning. You know, are you satisfied with your relationship with God? If you lean towards no, you probably amongst those because you always find just not doing enough, not putting in enough, not nurturing enough. <clears throat> and now I've gone and I've said, well, if you just spend time in the Word and if you just spend time studying the Scriptures, that does not equate to a satisfying relationship with God. That does not equate to knowing God the person. Now you probably feel a lot worse. And it's true. And so this is not just something from my heart, but it's something that I have lived, something that I've had to battle over, something that I've had to trust God and His grace to help me through. But God wants us to be free in our relationship with Him. He wants us to have a solid reading in our relationship with Him. He wants us to have an unwavering dial that basically just points and says, yes, you are good with your relationship with God. Yes, be satisfied. It's all good. And there's one key that sets us and gives us the freedom to do that and enjoy that. Now, I'm not in any way saying, <laughs> don't spend time in Scripture, don't spend time praying, any of those things. But don't equate enjoying having a satisfying relationship with God by those things. Those are all the things that result from a relationship. Those are all the things that nurture and help us enjoy our relationship. But our relationship is not the base. They are not the basis of our relationship with God. Just like I could not say, you know, we still have those letters. We have them all in our little box that, where we collect all our special things. And, you know, I can pull out those letters, but I cannot say that those letters are the basis of my personal relationship with Helena. They're not. Yes, they will enhance, they will remind me, they will play a role, but they are not the basis of my relationship with her. Knowing her is my relationship with God. Knowing that she loves me and that I love her is the basis of my relationship with her. Amen. And it's the same thing with God. That's where He wants us to be. He doesn't want us to feel disappointed or to think that He is disappointed with our relationship with Him because we didn't put in enough, because we don't do enough. Now, you know, <clears throat> someone who really just wants a license <clears throat> to be set free from making any attempt or doing anything to enhance their relationship with God is going to take this and say, well, see, so I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do any of that. I know God loves me, so I'm all, I'm all good. I'm all great. Well, if that's the case, I mean, I think about Helene and I. We love each other. We know that. That's the basis of our relationship. But because of that, we do things for each other. We do things to continue nurturing that, to express that. And it's the same thing when it comes to our relationship with God. So, <clears throat> 
What do most do to try and remedy a situation where they feel that they don't have a good relationship with God? Well, generally in Christendom, and this is taught by and large, is, is that you need to spend more time in Scripture, you need to listen to more teaching, you need to watch more Christian television, and so forth. That's what they are encouraged to do to enhance and remedy their relationship with God. Now you can see that in some ways that is going to be counterproductive because even though you are getting a whole lot of knowledge, you are not really getting to know God because you're spending time with these letters, with these preachings, with these viewings, but you're not really spending time with Him. You're not really in knowing Him. The focus is not on that. I trust that that's making sense here. Another example that I can give you is that of, you know, reading books, uh, watching movies, watching videos. Let's just say you have a favorite author that you enjoy that teaches the wonderful gospel truth. And so you go read his books. You go and watch his uh, sermons and his movies or whatever he's produced. Well, you can do a whole lot of that. Does all of that equate now to you having a relationship with that author? I mean, once you've read all his 10 books and you've watched 100 of his teachings and you've listened to thousands of his teachings, does that now mean that you have a personal relationship with that person? Of course not. So you see what I'm saying? And it's the same thing. I'm not discrediting spending time in God's Word. I'm not discrediting studying the Scriptures. That's important. That's key. But if the focus of you determining your relationship with God, you knowing God, is on the basis of that, can you see how we would end up falling short at the end of the day? Because we will get a whole lot of head knowledge and we will make the assumption that our mental ascent equates to knowing God, to having a relationship with God. And it doesn't. I trust that you're hearing me today and you're hearing my heart. Now I'm going to show you this from Scripture and we're going to expound on it a little bit more. But <clears throat> what that does is, you know, listening to teaching, spending time in Scripture, watching this and watching that, what that does is it puts us on a hamster wheel when it comes to our relationship with God. Because what it does is it just wears us out and it never brings satisfaction. You will find, and you know, people that spend a lot of time on these things are the ones, the very ones, who struggle <clears throat> to say, Yes, I'm satisfied with my relationship with God. You see, all of those things help us build our belief. It helps us build our faith, as we say. It helps us become more convinced. But it's not really getting us, helping us to get to know God. And to enjoy a satisfying relationship with God, we have to know Him. That's key. We have to know how He relates to us. Amen. And so I'm not saying that the Word is not important and that we shouldn't spend time in it. What I am saying is, is that that is not how a satisfying relationship with God is maintained. Please hear me clearly. Don't think that I'm preaching heresy or false doctrine here. Now, <clears throat> there are many who know Scripture well. And yet, they misunderstand it. They misinterpret it. And as a result, they teach it incorrectly. They share it incorrectly. They have arguments incorrectly. Just the other day, I was watching a video. I guess someone watched one of our YouTube videos. 
online and by their determination, by how they interpret scripture, they decided they're going to do a little expose, a five-minute expose on one of the things that I addressed. And, you know, they just literally ripped it to shreds. They had everything critical to say about it. And very self-righteously, you know, they were correcting the situation and pointing out what truth is. And I listened to this thing and I thought, my goodness, you know, here you are. And, of course, all these titles came up when he first introduced himself on his channel. And it was PhD this and, you know, PhD that and, you know, Chancellor of this and Chancellor of that. And at the end of the day, I heard him and I thought, man, here is someone who knows Scripture well, but yet, because there's, a, there's no relationship with God, there's no knowing God Himself, they're doing what they're doing, and thus they are misunderstanding, misinterpreting, but also attacking anyone who comes against what they believe. And you know, there's a lot of that going on, but the point is, is that even in Jesus' day, the religious people Jesus spoke against, He rebuked them. And yet, they knew Scripture supposedly so well. But you see, that's my point. They knew Scripture, but they didn't know God. And Jesus rebuked them for that. He told them that. He says, you know the Scriptures, but you don't know God the Father. And that's what He said to them. And that's what I'm conveying to us today. If the basis of our relationship with God and knowing God is purely the externals, scripture, teachings, listening, watching, I'm telling you, <clears throat> there's, it can lead us down a path where it will actually be counterproductive. And that's what I'm talking about here. So, if scripture was all it took to enjoy and experience a satisfying relationship with God, then we should all be satisfied and enjoying a great relationship with God. Isn't that so? I mean, in essence, we could say it that way. And so, yeah, we could all say that if that was the case. And of course, many make the mistake of thinking that the more they get to know Scripture, the more they will get to know God, or they will know God at least, and thus enjoy a better relationship with God. Think about people that mix law and grace. They've been mixing law and grace for decades, some, gener some for generations, and so they still don't get it right, but they know everything there is to know about it. But because they know Scripture, they clearly don't really know God. And I'm not saying that I do. I'm, <laughs> I'm putting myself in line because this is why we're sharing this. This is why we're teaching it. So it's just simply not true. Just knowing Scripture doesn't equate to knowing God. I guess that's the ultimate point that I'm making here. And so again, I'm not saying that getting into Scripture, getting to know Scripture is not important. What I am saying is, is that that is not how we maintain a satisfying relationship with God. Now, there are many who know Scripture well, and yet they don't understand it correctly. And thus, they believe and teach things that are contrary to the nature and character of God. You see, that's the issue with making the assumption that if I get to know Scripture well, I actually now know God well, and if for any reason their understanding of Scripture is incorrect, then this is what they are going to convey as truth, and also they are going to convey 
This is how I got to know God, and this is how you need to get to know God. And that's where we can, you know, be led in a way that we don't want to be led. And so a misunderstanding of Scripture will cause one to have the wrong view of God and how God sees them. If you and I don't understand Scripture correctly, if we don't have the right interpretation, we're going to end up with the wrong view of God, but also we're going to end up with the wrong view of God about us. That's one of the other mistakes that we can make when we base our knowing God on knowing Scripture. And so, remember what I said, that knowing Scripture does not equate to a great relationship with God or to knowing God. Now, someone may ask, how can I know if I have a wrong understanding or interpretation of Scripture? It's a good question, considering everything that I've said so far. How can we know if we have the right understanding of Scripture, the right interpretation of Scripture? But in this case specifically, how can someone know if they have the wrong understanding? Well, here's the thing, and here's the answer. And I'm going to qualify it in a moment. I'm going to qualify everything I've just said with Scripture in a moment. But here's the answer to that question. If you are not convinced that God loves you unconditionally, you have a wrong understanding of Scripture. You are misunderstanding Scripture and you are misinterpreting Scripture. Because when it's all said and done, Scripture tells us clearly that God is love. That's His nature. That's His character. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son to redeem us. The whole book conveys the love of God for you. Yes, there are things that are judgment-based, that are doom and gloom-based, <clears throat> but we need to understand them in the greater context, and we need to understand them in terms of covenants and what was going on at the time. But when you look at it just globally, and you look at it through the nature and the character of God, which is love, you should always come out with a conclusion that God loves me unconditionally. God loves me no matter what. And that's how you can know that you have the right interpretation and the right understanding of Scripture. Because no matter what you see, you always see the love of God displayed, the love of God revealed to you. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, in actual fact, the Apostle Paul shows us that and everything that I've said real clearly. And I'm going to show it to you in a moment. But here's what I want to point out to you, and then I'll show it to you. Okay? So in 1 Corinthians 8, we'll look at it in a moment, I'll tell you which verses. But the Apostle Paul himself, everything that I've just said to you, everything that I've shared with you, is really from the heart of Paul, the Apostle, because it's what he shared as well. He actually shared and he said that if you think knowing Scripture equates to you knowing God, you're mistaken. And he also says that the key to having a satisfying relationship with God, to knowing God, is living in the unconditional love of God or is living by the unconditional love of God. I'm going to show it to you in a moment. You'll see that that's what he says. So this whole sermon, this whole message today is based on what Paul said. And he was inspired by the Lord. And, you know, the Lord Jesus backs, backs all this up in his word. 
But that's the heart of God. And so one of the mistakes we believers can make is, is that thinking that knowing Scripture will equate to us knowing God or having a relationship with God more specifically. And that's not the case. You see, ultimately, what gives us and allows us to enjoy <laughs> a satisfying relationship with God is living in the unconditional love of God. Knowing that God loves us unconditionally and living in it. Outside of your merit and your performance. Outside of your doing and not doing. If you don't do, it's your loss. Because the more you do, the more you get to nurture and enjoy. But don't let be, that be the basis of your relationship with God and knowing God. Because think about it. You know, oftentimes we hear <clears throat> people say, well, what about the people in the Amazon before they were discovered? They either couldn't read, they didn't have books or anything, but yet they had the intuitive knowledge of God because He placed that in our hearts. They had creation that let them know there's a God. And ultimately, every single person knows deep within, whether they have the written word of God or not, they know deep within that there is a greater being who loves them. And so that's ultimately what helps us enjoy a satisfying relationship with God, which is the knowing that God loves us unconditionally and that we should live in it. Are you with me? I trust that this is making sense. So let's have a look at it. Let's have a look and let me show you now how Paul actually expressed all of this. And let me show you from Scripture. So <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, from the New King James translation. Watch this. It says there, <clears throat> now this is talking about food offered to idols, or more specifically, it's talking about New Covenant believers eating food that was offered to idols at pagan temples. Okay, But that's not the focus of, of our point here. We're focusing on what I've said so far. Watch this now. He says, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. You see, he's speaking to people who knew the scriptures they had at the time. And he says, we know that we all have knowledge. We have knowledge of scriptures, what he's saying about these things. But then watch what he says. Knowledge puffs up. In other words, it makes one proud. He says, but love edifies. So what is Paul really saying with this? He's saying, you're asking me the question whether believers should eat and it's okay to eat food offered to idols. And he says, we all know what scripture says. We all have that knowledge. He says, but sometimes that knowledge can make us proud and take us off the real focus of how to get to the answer of that question, which is love. Love will edify. Love will build us up. In other words, let love be the thing that determines what you're going to do about this. See, right there he addresses that point. And then he says, and if anyone, talking about believers, thinks that he knows anything. See, he's talking about knowledge, knowledge of Scripture. He knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. Look at that. So he says, anyone, any believer who thinks they know the Scriptures well, he says, they really don't know anything. <laughs> That's what he's saying. And then he says, in verse 3, watches, he qualifies it. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Look at that real carefully. He says, if anyone loves God, 
this one is known by him. So again, he points this to the focus of love and living in God's love. Now, <clears throat> one of the other things that I can say here is, is that, or you could say this way. In other words, what he's saying is, is that, towards the end of that verse, in that verse 3, what he's saying is, is that the one who has a love-based relationship with God is the one with the real knowledge. That's what he's saying. So in addressing that whole question, he's saying we all know what Scripture says. But here's the problem. Knowledge isn't going to help you determine the answer. He says, knowing that God loves you, knowing that you are loved by God, will help you determine the answer to that question. So what he does is he takes away he, the focus from knowledge of Scripture and he puts it on living in the love of God. And he says, let that give you the answer. That's how you'll determine the answer to that question. Now, in case you think I'm taking a free-range interpretation here, let me show you that same portion from the voice translation. <laughs> Watch this. It'll help us understand it clearer. Watch what he says. Watch how it puts it. As to the concern of eating food dedicated to idols, we know that all of us have knowledge. And he's talking about knowledge of Scripture. But knowledge can be risky. Look at that. Knowledge promotes overconfidence and worse, arrogance. But charity of the heart, love that is, looks to build up others. Can you see how he's saying it's not knowledge that is going to give you the answer, knowledge of Scripture, but it is walking and living in the love of God that is going to help you find the answer and live out the answer. You see, and we find that in society today, people just, <clears throat> they know everything there is to know about Scripture, and then, you know, they come across real self-righteous. It's like they just, I have a great relationship with God because I know Scripture, I know God, and I have a great relationship with God. And based on what we've just seen Paul say, that's not the case. Because he basically says, we all have knowledge. But knowledge, unfortunately, makes us proud. It makes us arrogant. It makes us think that we are more than what we really are. And he says, what we need to do is take it back to the love of God. And the love of God is what will give us the answer and help us help others understand gospel truth. Then he goes on in verse 2 and he says, Just because a person presumes to have some bit of knowledge, that person doesn't necessarily have the right kind of knowledge. Look at that. Remember, he's talking about scripture here. Then he says in verse 3, But if someone loves God, it is certain that God has already known that one. I love the way the voice puts that last phrase, uh, translates that last phrase, because it is so accurate with the rest of Scripture. Watch what it says there again. But if someone loves God, it is certain that God has already known that one. Look at that real carefully. What he's really saying is, is that if someone loves God, they love God because they have discovered that God has already loved them first. That's what it's saying. Can you see that? So in other words, what he is saying is, is that this person loves God because they have come to realize that God 
loved them first. That's what he's saying. You know, what Paul is saying in what we've just read there is, you can put it this way. No matter how much you think you know Scripture, you don't know anything if you don't live in the unconditional love of God. That's one way you can summarize and put that in a nutshell. He's saying, no matter how much you think you know Scripture, you don't know anything if you don't live in the unconditional love of God. If you don't know that God loved you first and you love Him as a result. In other words, if you don't have a love relationship with God. You see, that's the key to enjoying a satisfying relationship with God. It's knowing that He loves you and living in that love. More than it is just knowing a whole lot of Scripture and knowing Scripture well. And I'm not discrediting that, remember. I said to you in the beginning, I'm going to, it's going to sound like I'm coming against that and I'm speaking heresy, but you can see that I'm not. You see, so the key then to understanding and interpreting Scripture correctly is to see it through the unconditional love of God. That's what, another way you can put what Paul just said. If you really want to have answers to your theological questions, your doctrinal questions, to your faith questions, he says, look at everything through the eyes of the love of God. Then you will get the answer. In other words, your focus should be on God's love for you and then your love for Him because of His love for you. That will give you the right answer. That will reveal that you really know God, is what He's saying. So, we see then, so far, that mere knowledge of God, and even through Scripture, does not equate to a relationship with Him, to knowing Him. Can you see that? It's pretty powerful stuff. I mean, I think about the letters that Helena, Helena and I wrote to each other. I could have given them to one of my friends, not that I would, but I could have given it to one of them. I could have given it to one of my family members and say, yeah, you want to get to know Helena? You want to get to know my girlfriend, to soon-to-be fiancé? Yeah, read all her letters. They could have read them all, but they could never have said that they know her like I know her. Why? Because those letters are limited. Those letters have, that's not who she, I mean, it is who she wrote them. It's part of who she is, but ultimately it's not the totality of the person. If they really want to know, get to know my Helena, they need to see how she loves me. Amen. And that's what I'm saying here. This is what this is revealing to us here. That's where we, what we're focusing on here. So only living in God's unconditional love does that. Help us enjoy a satisfying relationship with God. That's the key to a satisfying relationship with God. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Now, <clears throat> we're going to read another portion. And for time's sake, I'm going through, go, to go through it pretty quick. And so I've picked the Passion Translation to read it from, because that way I won't have to expound and explain more than necessary. But in relation to everything I've said so far, I mean, if you think about it, if there is one of the apostles that understood the love of God, that understood and received the love of God, and lived in the, in the love of God, you know who I'm going to say? John. I mean, when he writes his letters, he, says, he writes of himself and he says, you know, John, or the disciple whom Jesus loved, the disciple loved by the Lord. 
he wrote of himself that way. I mean, some people would think it's so arrogant, it's so full of himself. How can he know and say that, you know, he was his favorite and he loved? Jesus loved them all the same. He didn't have favorites. But it, see, the difference was is, is that John received his love and John lived in his love. And that's why John felt as though he was the beloved of the Lord because he lived in it. And that's how you and I will enjoy a satisfying relationship with God is knowing that he loves you and living in his love. And because of that, we spend time in his word, we watch teachings, we listen to them. But not because that helps us get to know Him more, get to live in His love. It is on the basis of knowing that He loves us and living in His love. Is that making sense? I really believe so. I really hope so. So now watch us now from 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to read several verses. So we're going to begin with verse 7 and 8. Watch us. <coughs> he says, Those who are loved by God, look at that. Not those who love God, but those who are loved by God. Watch this. Let His love continually pour from you to one another. Because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of Him. Look at that. You really want to get to know God? Live in His love intentionally be in His love, be conscious of His love, live in His love, and revel in His love, is what he's saying. He says, that person will experience an intimate knowledge of God. Then he says, the one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. Pretty powerful stuff, wouldn't you agree? I mean, in essence, what he's saying there <laughs> is, is that, if you really want to get to know God, live in His love. Live in the fact that He loves you and that you are loved by Him. That's how you'll get to know Him. So when you read Scripture, you will read it from the lens of God's love. You will read love into everything that you see. Even when it's judgment, as you'll see in a moment. You will read His love and you will get to know Him. But if you're, the basis of your relationship with God is not his love, his unconditional love. He says here clearly, he said, we just read it. He says, that person has yet to know God. Pretty powerful stuff. Now, let's go on reading from verse 10 and 11. Watch this. He goes on. <clears throat> he says, this is love. <laughs> and he just told us that God is love. He loved us long before we loved him. In other words, don't try and love God so that he will eventually love you. He says, no, that's the wrong order. He says, realize that God loves you long before you even loved him. And that will help you just revel in his love and love him and be in love with him, is what he's saying. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Can you see how he is making the point? Live in his love, not your love for him. Your love for him will be the response to his love for you. Then he says in verse 11, Delightfully loved ones. I love the way the Passion translates that. It's beloved. 
delightfully loved ones, because that's what you are, that's what it means. If He loves us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. In other words, <laughs> one of the ways you can tell if someone lives in the love of God is by how they love others, because the love of God influences them. They live in the love of God, they know the love of God, and therefore they are able to love others as well. Powerful stuff. Amen. Then we go on reading in verse 16. Watch us. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. Look at that. And we trust in the love that He has for us. Wow. That is just so absolutely awesome. You see, it's about realizing His love, understanding that He loves you, he loves you perfectly. No one else can love you that way. And he says, we have come into that experience with his love. And therefore, we trust in his love for us. That's how we can enjoy a satisfying relationship with him. Amen. Then he goes on and he says, <clears throat> God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God. Look at that. And God lives through them. So what is the basis of our relationship with God? His love. Living in His love, understanding His love, receiving His love, and being absolutely convinced that He loves you unconditionally no matter what. This is why He redeemed you in Jesus, so that your merit and performance doesn't have, ever have to be the question, doesn't have, ever have to be the filter to determine whether God loves you or not, or whether you live in that love. Amen. So notice, so far we've seen that John mentions nothing about knowing Scripture in order to live in the love of God. Now, is he discrediting it? <laughs> no. But he's got the focus perfectly right, just like Paul did. And he's, he doesn't even mention Scripture to live in the love of God. He says, you just need to know that God loves you, the cross is proof of that, living that love, and that's how you'll get to know Him and enjoy a satisfying relationship with Him, is what he's saying. You see, there are many, in actual fact, in my experience, I can tell you, there are many who truly, truly love God, and yet they don't know Scripture well at all. Isn't that so? I mean, I can think of many people, even people that I love dearly, who don't really know Scripture. But one thing they're convinced about is, is that God loves them and they are loved by God. And sometimes, you know, when I used to be a self-righteous, legalistic preacher, it would make me mad. I would judge them. And I would think, you don't even go to church that often. You don't even read your Bible. Look at your Bible. It's collecting dust on your coffee table. And I would be all self-righteous thinking that me spending time in Scripture is how I knew God and what qualified me to have a relationship with God, not understanding this gospel truth. Amen. What a powerful, powerful thing that we see there. Now, let's continue with verse 17 and 18. All right, he says, By living in God, now you know he's talking about living in his love. He says, By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us. Look at that. So that we may fearlessly, look at that, Face the day of judgment. In other words, even when judgment comes along, 
you will be fearless and you will have confidence. Why? Because God loves you and you know that He loves you. Not your whole lot of head knowledge and knowledge about Scripture, and it's good to have that, but that's not the basis of your fearlessness here. The fearlessness is based on the fact that someone knows that God loves them and they live in the love of God. He says, judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in the world. You see, God gave us the identity in Jesus and He gave us authority in Jesus because He loves us. Verse 18, watch this. Love never brings fear. Look at that. Never. Never brings fear. For fear is always related to punishment. <coughs> um, but love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Look at that. Love's perfection. In other words, the full comprehension and living in God's love. Drives away the fear of punishment from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. There is so many powerful things that John just revealed to us right there. It is pretty powerful. Now I'm going to mention some things that some observations that we see there as we come to a closing. But notice he says that we can now we know this. We can get to know about God through Scripture. And Scripture can enhance our love relationship with God. But the key to ultimately enjoying a relationship with God is having a conviction of God's unconditional love for us. Amen? That's in essence what he's conveying there. Now the other beautiful thing that he conveys there is, is that if what you believe does not affect how you feel, then you probably don't really believe it like you think you do. Did you hear what I said? This is one of the other things that John is revealing in that portion. Listen to this carefully again. If what you believe does not affect how you feel, then you probably don't really believe it like you think you do. Let me give you an example. He says, if you really believe that God loves you, and you really live in the love of God, it will affect you to the point where your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, your choices are going to be affected by it, so much so that when judgment comes along, you are going to be fearless. That's an emotion. That's a feeling. That's thoughts. That's choices. You are going to be fearless because you are living by the love of God. And you and I both know, all of our judgment took place on the cross in Jesus. The believer is not going to face a judgment. I know some people say, well, what about the judgment seat of Christ? Go look at the original. The word judgment is not even in the original. It's the seat of Christ. It's a reward ceremony. This is why John wrote what he wrote and he said, we will be fearless. In other words, if you really believe it, if you really live in the love of God, your emotions, your feelings are going to be affected by it. Your thoughts, your choices are going to, be, going to be affected by it. And you will have confidence and trust in the love of God. In other words, no matter what happens, no matter what is going on, I know God loves me. That's how we enjoy a satisfying relationship with God. Amen. So even when we read portions in Scripture that talk about judgment and maybe what would seem 
as doom and gloom. We need to be fearless, is what John is telling us, because we live in the unconditional love of God. And you know, when you look at Scripture and you see things of judgment, of doom and gloom, understand that there's a greater context. Understand that there's a specific application to those people and to those under that covenant. And what we need to do is look at it the whole, the, we need to look at it through the eyes of God's love. And you will be fearless. This is why whenever I read portions of Scripture, and you know, if ever I'm listening to someone or watching someone and they take something out of context, and they pound us with guilt, shame, and condemnation because, you know, you're not doing this, you're not doing And I know they mean well, but unfortunately, that's by far conveying the heart of God. You know, whenever I sense anything, I always point myself back. And I said, that's not going to make me fearful. That is not going to make me doubtful. That is not going to make me question where I am because I know that God loves me and I live in the love of God. And so, I know God and I continue enjoying my relationship with God. That's the heart of God for you and me. Amen. So, when we live in God's love, we will also look at Scripture through the eyes of God's love. We won't read and say, well, I don't like that portion, I don't like that portion because I just don't want to hear those things that makes me feel... If that's the case, you're not solidly established in the love of God because you've seen John said, if you're established in the love of God, you'll be fearless. That's what he's saying. And so, if Scripture ever invokes fear, it means that we don't yet know the love of God like we should. That's something else that we see that John is conveying there. And so, if you ever see a condition to God's love, you're not reading it through the eyes of God's love. If someone makes you, something makes you question, makes you doubt, read the greater context, read it through the eyes of God's love. And you will be fearless. Why? Because we have been redeemed once for all time. We live by the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. And we know that God loves us. We live by His love. And that settles it. It's done. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I know that I said a lot today and there's so much more that I want to qualify today. But we need to come to an ending. And so let me end it this way. The key to enjoying a satisfying relationship with God is living in His unconditional love 24-7. Amen. Ultimately, like I said, God is the only one who loves you perfectly. And that's where you need to be at. Established in His love. Living by His love. That's how you will continue to get to know Him more and enjoy a satisfying relationship with Him. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Do you receive that today? I trust that that blessed you today. Praise God. It certainly blessed me. And again, I apologize for, you know, the voice and the, the cough here and there. I've been overcoming something and I thank God for His healing. Thank you for trusting with me. Praise God. And um, anyway, I trust that filtering all that out, you receive what God had for us today. Amen. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry, or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.